This is the Green Student Ministries Middle School Podcast of the Chapel in Green. We are committed to our students being known, knowing Jesus, and becoming kingdom workers. We hope this podcast serves to encourage, challenge, and to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. This is Green Student Ministries. So yeah, we are starting a new series today uh, called Miracles. So what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at uh, the seven different miracles that Jesus performed in the book of John. So John is just, it's a little bit of a different book. Um, It's got a lot of the stuff that is not in the other gospels, and it's really cool. So there are seven different miracles. Each one, it's got its own uh, context, its own, like, significance. And so it's really cool to take a look at all of them. But walking into this series, I think it is important to kind of have a definition of what a miracle is. So a miracle is it's something that happens outside of the laws of nature, so like outside the norm, that can only be uh, explained because God made it happen. So keep that in mind as we walk through everything. So um, going into this, I've got a little bit of a story. So um, this was, I don't, I don't remember how long ago, but me and my buddy, we were working out, okay? So up to this point, I had been working out for a little bit, um, and so it was leg day. Never skip it. Super important. Thank you for that one chuckle. Um, don't skip a leg. So we're working out of legs, and um, I had been working out for a little while. I was getting close to, like, my max weight during this workout session, and so, like, it was, it was pretty heavy. It was pretty heavy weight, Okay? So we're doing our squats. We're doing our squats. I get down there, and, like, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to get back up there, and, like, I get it up. And so my buddy, it's important to know a few things about him. One, super competitive. He is the most competitive guy I know. If you do something, he has to do it, too, to prove that he can. The second important thing to know about this guy, he is built like a scarecrow. He, he had been working out maybe once a week, if that, for mm, not, not long now. And so I'm close to my max weight. He decides, you know what? I'm going to do that. I'm going to do your weight. And I'm like, dude, you're, I don't think you can do it. He says, nah, I got it. So he goes, he gets under the bar, and I'm right behind him, like ready to just like catch him when he folds like a piece of paper. And so... He takes it, he gets it off the rack, he goes down, I'm down with him, like, this is it, this is it, this is how my friend dies, this is how he, he gets back up, and I'm like, I'm blown away, all right, because I swear the, that bar weighed more than he did, okay, and so he kind of had this, ment- I had this mentality going into it, like, he's not going to be able to do it, you know what, I'll believe it when I see it, I'll believe it when I see it, and I did see it, he showed me, and um, I kind of had to like reorient how I thought about my friend, like he could do it. I thought about him a little bit differently. And I feel like this is how a lot of Jesus's ministry was. Jesus would be like, I'm going to do that. And people would be like, nah, I'll believe it when I see it. And he did it. (laughs) He always did it. So um, what I want you guys to do is uh, go ahead and take your Bibles out. Um, If you have them, cool. Uh, we really encourage you guys to bring them. They're a super great tool to have. So go ahead, open your Bibles up to John 2. All right, so uh, John 2, while you guys are turning there, um, 
I'm going to read something to you. It's just the previous chapter. It's just one verse. And so it's John 150. It says, Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. It's that greater things that I really want to focus in on. This was like a very bold statement of like, hey, you saw this one little thing. I'm going to show you even better things. So we're looking at Jesus' first miracle. So it's John 2, 1 through 11. And so what I like to do when I'm studying a piece of scripture is read all the way through it. And I especially like to do that when I'm talking about it with a group of people because it kind of makes it so we're all on the same page. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read John 2, 1 through 11. You guys can follow along. It'll be, no, it won't be up on the screen. Um, So just follow along if you have your Bibles. If you don't, just listen. Here we go. The next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of the ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then, when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glories, and his disciples believed in him. So, we read through it. I'm going to walk you guys through kind of what I like to do when I read a big chunk of scripture. So, I read it. I'm studying it. I'd really like to just ask questions about it. Okay? So the first question I had when I read this was, why this sign, why this miracle now? So looking back a little bit, Jesus had already said, I'll show you greater things. Okay? This is the first greater thing that he showed, that he showed his disciples. Because, you know, master of ceremonies, he didn't know where the wine had come from. Bridegroom didn't know where the wine had come from. The servants knew. But the only people who knew were Jesus and his disciples. So he's showing his disciples who he is. He's saying, I told you I'd show you greater things. Here it is. So another big factor in this is that Mary, Jesus' mother, made a need known to him. So the wedding was out of wine. All right, so it's important to know that in, you know, Jewish, ancient Jewish uh, tradition, if you hosted a party and you ran out of, like, wine or food, it would bring immense shame on those who are hosting it. It would bring so much shame that they could potentially be sued. They got invited, a person would be invited to a party, and if that party ran out of wine, that guest could sue the host. Okay? It would be something like, uh, a few weeks ago, we brought in donuts for everyone. And let's say you walked in, and we said, there's no more donuts, and you didn't get one, you'd be like, okay, I'll see you in court. It, it was wild. So I, I kind of like to think about, like, okay, why, why was the wedding out of wine? You'd think if, there were, if that was such a big deal, you know, 
they would have thought about that. They would have supplied enough wine. Well, the, there's the fact that, again, going back to ancient Jewish traditions, weddings were week-long events. Could you imagine, you know, your aunt, uncle, whoever gets married, your best friend, and it's like, this is a week. We've got a week to just live it up, all right? So I'd imagine they went through a lot of wine. The other thing is, they may not have been expecting to serve an extra five, no, no, six people, because Jesus was invited, and at this time, he had five of his disciples with him. So Jesus and his disciples were invited. That's an extra six people to a week-long event, also drinking wine. That would really put a, if I was planning that, that would really put a bump in my road. So another important factor is this was the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. This was his first sign. This was him solidifying with the five disciples that were with him. I am who I say I am. So that's, that was his first sign to his disciples. Now, a big thing is that this miracle, it also paints a picture for Jesus' future message. So one of the things that Jesus liked to do, he'd like to talk symbolically. He liked to teach symbolically. So there were a few ways he did this. He did this in parables, and we kind of looked at some of them. Uh, We've been looking at them in the main service. Uh, One of the ways he did it was with parables. Another way was like what he did here with miracles. Like there was, there's a lot of symbolism in this. So what are the major symbolic points? The first one is the jars. I know you're thinking like, dude, they're just jars. How could they bear any significance? They actually bear a lot of significance. So the jars were used, like it said in uh, in the passage, for Jewish washing ceremonies. So it was part of uh, what's called the Old Covenant. So in like the first five books of the Bible, there was what's called the law. So there would be a lot of rules, and like Jewish people had to live by them. And there were a lot of different ones. There were some weird ones like uh, you shall not plow with a donkey and an ox together. I don't get it. God had a reason for saying it, and everything God said has a perfect reason, and I'm trusting that he knows that one because I don't. But these were put in place by God for a reason, and an important thing to know is that these rules were impossible to keep. No one could do it. So the second major symbolic point was the wine. So I'm going to pull up another piece of scripture. This is from the Old Testament. It's Amos 9. It's Amos 9, 13 through 15. And that one's going to come up on the screens. So it says, The time will come, says the Lord, when the grain and grapes will grow faster than they can be harvested. Then the terraced vineyards on the hills of Israel will drip with sweet wine. I will bring my exiled people of Israel back from distant lands, and they will rebuild their ruined cities and live in them again. They will plant vineyards and gardens. They will eat their crops and drink their wine. I will firmly plant them in their own land. They will never again be uprooted from the land I have given them, says the Lord your God. So this tells us a very important thing. Wine was supposed to be flowing, like there was supposed to be an abundance of wine when God rescued his people. An abundance of wine, okay? I'm going to point you back again to our main passage in John 2, to the amount of wine, okay? So there were six, six jars, each holding 20 to 30 gallons, Quick math, that's 120 to 180 gallons of wine. I don't know if you guys realize, like, how much that is. That's a lot. Okay? So, like, maybe a cup, like, a a regular glass of water, that's maybe an eighth to a fourth of a gallon. So, uh, take those, multiply it by four, and you've got how much wine he made. It's important to also note 
the ease that Jesus did it. It wasn't like a, he did a big ceremony and it got transformed into wine. It was, okay, go fill up those jars. You got that? Cool. Serve it. That was it. That was it. He just said it. It happened. All right. On top of that, there was the quality of the wine. So in verse 9 and 10, I'm going to have it up on the screen. It says, When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. The best wine. So this was a common practice. It was, it was commonly known. Okay, bring out the best first. Everyone will see how good it is. And then we can bring out the less expensive stuff. And so that Master of Ceremonies still had his wits about him. He's like, this is really good wine. Why are you serving it now? There was 120 to 180 gallons of wine. It was the best wine that they had there. And Jesus said he made it happen with just a word. So this is like going back to like the verse in Amos. This is kind of like tracking like, hey, Jesus is saying like, hey, you know how we said I'd rescue my people? There'd be wine flowing. How about this? All right. So I don't know that the disciples would have caught on to this right of way, but I like to think like later on after, you know, Jesus died and was resurrected, they look back and John was like, dude, are you kidding me? It was right there. And so this was his, like, and it's just, in my opinion, such a Jesus way to do this. He always did these things where it was like, he did it. And then, like, you know, he's over here just, like, smirking because no one gets it yet. And he's like, dude, in five years, this is going to blow your mind. (laughs) (laughs) And I just, I love that. So he's, I'm going to, he said, I'm going to start my ministry with a powerful but quiet statement of what I am going to do. And so the next logical question is, okay, what did Jesus do? All right, and that is a very important question to ask. Jesus completely changed the game for his followers. I'm going to go back to the Old Testament. So like I said, it required a lot of laws. There was a lot of rules you had to follow. It was impossible. And so it was completely impossible. So the law required a person to follow all of those rules to be righteous. I know some of you know what that word means. You've been around long enough that you know what righteous means. I'm going to explain it though. Righteous means that God would consider you to be a good, perfect person. All right? Look back at the law. Couldn't do it. No one could do it. All right? So I'm going to pull up Romans 3:20 20 through 24. All right? And that says... <clears throat> For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. So, 
we're looking at this and we're looking at the miracle, okay? <clears throat> we see jars. This is our old covenant. This is the old covenant. This is the law, all right? The Jewish people had to use these. It was part of their rules to, like, clean. And then Jesus said, okay, take those, the symbol of the old covenant. I'm going to put wine in them. I'm changing it. I'm taking the old covenant. I'm making it a new covenant. Okay. I, I'm fast forwarding a little bit. So we're going to jump over some miracles. We're going to jump towards the end of what Jesus was saying. He was, if you remember, so like at the last supper, Jesus says, drink this wine. It is my blood. It is the symbol of my new covenant. Okay. Jesus, Jesus at the very beginning of his, of his, uh, of his ministry, he's already pointing over here to the end. That is just so, it is, it's mind-boggling to me that he would have that much foresight to, you know what, I'm going to start and I'm going to end in the same place. So we got the new covenant. Okay, Jesus took the entire Old Testament and said, we don't have to follow that anymore. How did he do it? Okay, Jesus saw all of that and he said, you know what, that's impossible for a human to do. A human can't do that. Now remember, and I kind of skipped over this a little bit, but God was fully man. He was fully God. He said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do the impossible. I'm going to do it for everyone. So if the rules of the Old Testament were broken, if those laws were broken, a person had to make a sacrifice. There were different sacrifices for depending on which rule you broke. And so there were just, it was a lot to take care of. So instead of making a bunch of different sacrifices, Jesus said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take care of all of it. I'm going to make one sacrifice. One sacrifice is going to cover everything. Okay? You're kind of thinking like, okay, what does this mean for us? That means we don't have to, fo- we don't have to follow all of those rules anymore. Jesus put new rules into place. This means that salvation, like we read in um, Romans 3.20, so salvation, which means it, in addition to spending, you know, after we die, we spend eternity with God in a perfect place called heaven. In addition to that, he walks with us through our lives to get to that point. So that means it doesn't come, salvation doesn't come from following the rules anymore. It comes from belief. Okay? Romans 10.19 says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. God said here, I don't necessarily care about following all the rules. I want to know where your heart is. I want to know what you're feeling. I want to know what you're thinking. I want to know where that is. And that is such a huge thing for us. That is huge. I don't want to have to worry about if the clothes I'm wearing follow the rules or not. I want, I want to love the person who came and died for me. That's what I want to do. So Jesus started off his ministry with a statement of what he was going to do. He looked at the end. He said, I'm going to start there. So I'm going to look back at John 1.50. And it says, you believe because I said I saw you. <clears throat> do you believe this just because I told you I had seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. This was the first of the greater things. This was the first thing. Here's an important piece of information that I think sometimes gets lost. Those greater things that he was talking about 
They didn't end when he died and came back to life. They're still happening. Those greater things are still happening today. How are they still happening? They're happening through you guys. Through those of you who said, you know what? I believe that. I want to be best friends with God. And it, I've seen them happen. You can, you can put your trust in the one who is performing those greater things. So not you. I've tripped up over my words there. God is acting through you guys. God is saying, I'm going to perform the greater things, but I'm going to do it through you. Okay? So that's what I want to challenge you guys with. See, see that, you know, the fact we don't have to follow the old, all the rules of the Old Testament. We don't have to do that anymore. We have to believe. So I'm going to pray for us, and then uh, I've got one more thing after that. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this time together. I thank you for um, just the way you started your ministry with the end in mind. It was, it's always just so awe-inspiring to learn more about you. Um, I pray that you can work in these students' lives. Um, show them your awesome power and just the ways you move even in our day-to-day lives. Um, I pray that you help us remember that you're walking with us throughout the rest of this week, throughout the rest of the school year. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Green Student Ministries Middle School Podcast of the Chapel in Green. If you have any questions or concerns, feel free to contact us at gsm.thechapel.life or follow us on Instagram at Green Student Ministries. We would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.